the fire. Lately, we've been talking about how Christians and other like-minded, moral, biblical, worldview people have got to fight for the freedom just to be who we are. I mean, the politics is getting to the vitriolic stage, don't you think? Well, it is, and it's gonna be, you're going to see it in some of the legislation that's going to start rolling out here in the next month or so. Um, dare I say that we're the nice, kind, understanding <laughs> ones when all is said and done. Welcome to Through the Fire, cutting through the passions, clearing the smoke of the cultural confusions of the world today. Talking God's love and God's solutions from a biblical Christian worldview. And now, here's your host, Marie and Gregory Seltz. The doctors are in. (laughs) Hello, hello, everybody. I'm Marie. And I'm Greg. And this is Through the Fire. Through the Fire. Okay, so lately, or I should say actually this week maybe, you seem pretty agitated, uh, and especially about the topic we're going to be talking about today. Right. I don't think I've seen you this riled up. Really, in a while. Yeah. So what's going on? Well, you're right. I mean, I'm agitated because, look, I'm getting, I'm getting really tired of the demonizations. You know, the demonization mm-hmm. and destroying of people's reputation um, with false smearing caricatures just because they're Christian or just because they have a traditional view of marriage or a traditional view of sex that's biblical and virtue-based rather than recreational or a commitment to the sanctity of life. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm getting tired of Christians who say, well, we just need to be more authentic and more humble. No, we're being smeared. We're being demonized. We're being mm-hmm. caricatured. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, if that happens, that means people aren't really hearing our perspective. And that's just, it, that's just not a civil, humane society. This has to stop. <laughs> Yeah, I understand. I mean, it's difficult to see it stopping, though, when we see Jack Phillips, you know, the cake man. He's back yeah. in court again, yet for another round of attacks against his business and his faith. I mean, I was just looking at a, you know, an article, and even the headline from, you know, was, was incorrect, saying that he is suing when he's counter-suing because he's being attacked. Again. He's being attacked. You know, and it's funny, you brought that up, and I, I, I just saw that article, too. But even before talking about that crazy thing, uh, as crazy as that is, this caricaturing and demonizing happened to a friend of mine on the Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Rabbi Yaakov Menken, and he's of the Coalition of Jewish Values. And he was meeting with this representative, Mary Miller, and and she needed to she had used some language that muddled her support of the Jewish community. So you know they wanted to meet and they wanted to dialogue, but the reporters right they wanted to clear it up. Uh, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The reporters when they reported this, they besmirched her reputation. They they besmirched Menken's coalition's position. They called him right wing. They uh, claimed all these nefarious political intentions, which right. they didn't have or use. Mm-hmm. And they use smearing language when talking about their values. And, and their actual positions were never mentioned in the article. Right. It appears that the objective of that reporter's message was not accuracy, but to caricature and smear the individuals, the groups, and the reason for the meeting to begin with. Yeah, exactly. And and so, you know, he writes this little note, and, and he talks about these reporters, how they didn't discuss any of the dialogue, none of the discussion. They were just caricatured, and they were just demonized. <laughs> wow. You know, this smearing of one's character, it seems to be happening more and more. And it seems to be experienced by one side more than the other side of the dialogue, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it is. And Like this morning, you were talking about an article where you saw that Jack Phillips, again, the cake man, is still in court. And he seems, you know, 
that seems to be what really got you going. <laughs> well, I and think. again, it did because mm. I've written about this. I've actually met him. Yeah, that's he's right. a I great, you did. great guy, that's and right. he's such a humble person. And and I just thought, can you believe it? This guy's still being harassed mm-hmm. by the government in Colorado. They're trying to. Well, they've effectively put him out of business several times, and right. he's one of the nicest, kindest, most gentle human beings I've ever met. And and so I wrote even in an article. I think this was two and a half years ago already. Mm-hmm. It was called "No More Euphemisms, Dysphemism." or demonizations. And I, I talked about this. I said the baker in this case was indeed demonized, caricatured, and maligned as a bigot and a homophobe. Why? Because right. he believed in the distinctiveness of the marriage of a man and a woman as unique among all relationships and a foundational uh, institution for society. And so, you know, I, I talked about in that article that he, it can be demonstrated sociologically, psychologically, uh, physiologically, and yes, even theologically. And yet the whole discussion was about none of that. It was just about the government, you know, silencing his voice by threat of law. And I just said that should frighten everybody. Mm-hmm. Even if you disagree with his position, you shouldn't right. want to, you know, just purely silence him by government power, coercion and, and litigation. Right. And if I remember correctly about that case, Philip served everyone who came into his shop. Right. He, he treated everybody the same. Everyone was welcome to buy anything they wanted in the store without restriction. He just wouldn't create something that went against his conscience. Right. And see, that's where, you know, if like you said, if you disagree that, you know, with him, that's fine. But he, this is his business, right? Right. So he didn't create cakes for same-sex weddings. Right. Okay. He referred people to other bakers who would. I mean, personally, I wouldn't create a cake depicting specific body parts if there was a request well, to do so. Wanted him to do that too. Yeah, and that seems to me to be a very reasonable and responsible thing to do. You know, an artist might do portraits, but maybe not be comfortable doing some kind of nudity or that kind of a presentation. And if right. people have other choices, people have the freedom to go elsewhere. I mean, it's like that in therapy too. You know, um, I have the right and the responsibility to put boundaries and to interview people just like they're interviewing me. Right. And if it's not a good fit, then I have a responsibility to my profession, professionally, and to the person in front of me to help them find somebody that is a better right. fit for them. You know, they, Which you not, would do because you care about people even Absolutely. if they disagree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's important, you know, for us to be honest and to be responsible and respectful right. even if we disagree. Right. So it seems like while this Jack Phillips thing is a big problem, you think there's an even bigger problem. Them, the demonization and the caricaturing, right? I, yeah. I mean, these tra- traditional moral perspective on many of these things, I don't understand why people can't say, well, okay, you believe that's those things. We can defend those things. And I, I'm just getting tired of this demonization, cancel the narrative. That is the problem. And if we allow this to go unchallenged, and I'm telling Christians out there, I said, we're not trying to be mean or political, but if we allow, if we're constantly caricatured this way, the dialogue is dead. Mm-hmm. The civil disagreement is dead, and mm-hmm. freedom of speech and conscience is dead. And try to be missional when you can't even get your voice out in the culture. So the biblical moral view of things is officially being pushed completely out of our culture, even our lives. Yeah, which is a very dangerous thing. I mean, a few years ago, the topic of the moment was bullying, right? right. Where there was bullying of overweight people, bullying of LGBTQ youth, bullying of cultural minorities, bullying of Islamic and Jewish uh, individuals of faith. But we don't call what is happening here bullying because it's okay. I mean, it's even cool beans to verbally attack Christians and traditionalists. In fact, you are very woke, very, very woke if you do so, (laughs) right? Yeah. I mean, the same effects of anxiety, fear, and depression are being provoked in, you know, Christians today as they are in the other um, groups. And it's a very scary time to live under a Christian umbrella right now. Well, and I just think, you know, again, um, think of where we are today in our culture. And this is what's kind of sad to me. If you're the kind of person who says no, 
mm-hmm. to some of the things that are out there. If you're there's if you're a person that says that well there is a virtuous way of life that's worth trying to live and somehow that m- suddenly makes you irredeemably mean, bigoted, less tolerant and uncaring when in fact and this is where I really want to go with this too the people that I generally know like that mm-hmm. that they're trying to be faithful and loving to people on those terms are the nicest, kindest, big-hearted, generous people I know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm tired of them being maligned just because their views seem old-fashioned. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, now, honestly, there are argumentative people with varying perspectives, you know, yeah, coming from on, on all, both sides directions. of these That's debates. right. Yeah, That's yeah. right. But I think the point you're making is that even as a traditional Christian biblical view of life is being maligned by today's libertine culture, it is, in fact, still blessing people. It is. And guiding people. Right, yeah, it's guiding them well. But we're—I mean, there's still uh, people trying to silence them. And I think of my maternal grandmother. I mean, in this case, I think of I her quite her. a bit. Yes, yeah, I love she her. was a very strong Christian. She was an educated Hispanic uh, woman whose marriage dissolved. Okay, it mm-hmm. dissolved when she was young, and she decided, you know, to turn her focus solely onto her family mm-hmm. instead of trying to fulfill her own wants and desires. And this was because of her. She was a Catholic, and right, Catholics, committed, yeah. yeah, believe in one-time marriage. And so, if it, whether it goes wrong or not, right, you were married, and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. That was her belief, and that was her faith. She had the freedom to choose that. So she decided to just focus on her family. And she raised my mother and my mother's sister, and she took care of her own parents uh, as well until they died. But today, people would look at her and say, what is wrong with her? There was something yeah. wrong with her for being not selfish, right? For not buying things, for not pursuing happiness and having lots of sex and eating and drinking well and indulging herself, mm-hmm. right? When I talk about her to people, people say, oh, well, that was she must have been very bitter. She was very stern and mean, and she wasn't at all. No, she not was, at all. No, she was a very strong, courageous, generous, loving, faithful, and reliable, and very consistent person. But I will say she did get lonely at times because she was human. Well, yeah, because there was a brokenness in what had happened. Right, mm-hmm. right. But her faith and her purpose carried her through, you know, to a peaceful death and into, you know, all the way into the loving arms of Jesus. And because of her, you know, I have a faith. Our daughter has a faith that led me to you. Um, right. You know, and, and hopefully it's absolutely true too. It's continuing to grow and spread, right? And so, and that's why I said I hate these caricatures and demonizations. It's right. so, it, it's so one-dimensional. It makes uh, all this nonsense. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's just hard to deal with a lot of this stuff. And for example, I, I remember back in the day when uh, remember Archie Bunker that TV show. <laughs> yes. And the only reason I bring this up is because you know, not it, the, it, I never watched it though. But yes, okay, I do well, remember the, it. Uh, the I remember thing, Meathead and things. Well, like yeah, that, and, the and Norman song. Lear. But what people don't understand is Norman Lear was caricaturing Christians. Mm-hmm. That's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And so it was a funny show. And Archie was a funny person in a lot of ways in all these scenarios. But he was uneducated. But he was dimwitted, yeah. bigoted. He was uneducated. And from time to time, it was funny. And the show made people laugh but the the funny thing is a lot of the people that I loved who laughed at that they didn't realize they what were being, being laughed at okay right. Uh, right. Hollywood was making fun of all religious traditional people and the so-called progressive secular pietists that's what they think of us they think we're moral rubes that's you know true. and yeah. and so let me say waving clear- our little moral fingers yeah and, yeah and so let me say it clearly again we don't caricature you when we disagree with you. Mm-hmm. In fact, our, we can't because our way of thinking challenges us not to think right. that way. We can't right. be Christian and try to. And so we could easily do it, I think, because sometimes some of the stuff is ridiculous and funny. But we do need to stop 
the caricaturing of us. I really yeah. think we need I to stop I agree, it. because it stifles honest conversation. Yeah. I mean, it prevents people from actually trying to care about one another and share with one another in an open and honest way. I mean, we've talked about speaking God's truth and love with mm-hmm. humility and grace, and we've talked about how differences can be held in tension right. when there are fundamental truths that people still aspire to or agree upon. Right. But, you know, we aren't seeing open and honest conversation these days with a demonization activity, are we? No, we're not. No, we are seeing a movement to literally shut down the Christian moral voice politically, culturally, and socially, right? Well, yeah. And and so this demonization tactic, that's what I want to tell people. When people use this, they're they're mean people. These are the yeah. mean, these are the mean people. They're refusing to let someone's voice be heard. So if you can caricature it, demonize it, misrepresent it, and get society to dismiss it, mm-hmm. then the next step, and this is what's happening to guys like you know, Jack Phillips is to legislate it out of business. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've got to say as a church, look, no more demonization. Mm -hmm. We're not going to accept that. Right. You know, we're just not. Yeah. And, and, and you know what you said there, get society to dismiss the voice, right? Mm-hmm. To dismiss our voice is the main objective. Then, of course, we just see satisfaction from pure meanness and intimidation, <laughs> yeah. right? Be- I mean, as I've experienced <laughs> these past couple of weeks. Yeah. And as and I and others who stand up personally experienced and on an ongoing basis. But why don't you talk a little bit about the work you do in D.C.? I mean, you deal with this on a very systemic basis in Washington. Yeah, a little commercial break here just for the work I do in D.C. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and people well, because people think sometimes, oh, why are you, you know, you're doing this political stuff when you used to be the speaker of the Lutheran Hour? And I said, well, we're not trying to get more political because we really don't want more politics. We no. want a whole lot less, less of it. So what we do is we deal with legislation, the public debate on these issues, and the rhetoric is sometimes so ridiculous. Uh, Christians are being called all kinds of names by elected officials. And I've even heard, you know, we've been told that if we believe in Jesus as our Savior, we can't be uh, public servants. Elect, you can't be an elected official if you believe those things, So, mm-hmm. uh, or you can't hold office. So we've we've been called these things, a threat to culture. And, and as far as I can read in our founding documents, the Judeo-Christian moral view of life was foundational to virtually all the freedoms we possess today. So listen, if you're out there and you're you know struggling with this conversation today, uh, we're not in Washington to get more political per se, but to defend the right of the church and of Christian people in particular to have a public voice in the culture right. you know in which we live. We don't want you to have the fear of government coercion, persecution, or intimidation. So um, unfortunately, right now, the government continues to think it has the right to dictate what we believe, teach, and confess. And so again, we're if we're going to you know, be language political, we use what we can say. Yeah, and if we're going to be political, we're saying no, you don't have that right, and you need to know your place. So if you want to know more about that stuff. You can just go to our website, lcrlfreedom.org, and just realize we're fighting for religious liberty so you can be the person that God has called you to be, where you live and work. And you have some mom-and-pop papers, I think. that Yeah, the mom-and-pop papers are there. We have Liberty Alerts. We have mom-and-pop papers that are little 500-word pages about a lot of these issues. But it helps people to have a conversation, right? It supports them in discussing things that are tough to talk about Without it getting so political and heated so that you you can even fight for people's right to disagree with you sometimes. And you're going, you mean you're fighting for me even though you disagree with me? Yes, and we have a way of helping you even talk that way when you're disagreeing with folks. So Mm -hmm. we've got all kinds of resources there for you. Use them at your pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. So we've been uh, talking, uh, you know, about the demonization and characterizing that is happening to primarily one side of the conversation about the moral issues today. So what do you think? I mean, coming off of what you just finished sharing, that we as Christians, traditionalists, or even constitutionalists can do about changing the narrative so at least people can hear what we're trying to say. Yeah, first I think we have to assert that our view um, 
be labeled or defined from our perspective. And this, you know, again, when you talk about reporters and stuff like that, hey, mm-hmm. they, if they're going to write about us, they at least should have a, a basic knowledge of who we are. And they shouldn't be qualifying us or, or labeling us from our opponent's perspective. So, yeah. for instance, we're a pro-life people. We're not an anti-abortion people That's right. only. Pro-life. Yeah, yeah, we're a pro-life. And our opponents define themselves as pro-choice. <laughs> and so the social media reporters and papers always speak of them that way. Uh, well, we need to make sure that that we're being heard the way we want to be heard. And it, that starts with how we're labeled. And that's such a big thing. I mean, if we are labeled and characterized solely by those who oppose our view, of course people will see us and our voice yeah. is negative. I mean, who wants to listen to us? Why some, would they want to be right? fair to us? Yeah. Exactly. No fairness there. So eventually, if the language and the caricature sticks, right, it can sap the strength from any individual or group, even if the methods are trying to dispense and the perspectives, policies, and actions are better for everyone. That gets drowned out. It gets silenced. Caricature can obscure the truth. Yeah, I like how you said that. I mean, caricature... Should I say it again? Say it again, please. <laughs> caricature <laughs> can obscure the truth. <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, that's why it's so well said, and that's why we can't... I mean, one of the first things we have to say is we're not going to let the media, the culture, the entertainment world keep caricaturing the mm-hmm. traditional moral wor- worldview as somehow backward, bigoted, or foolish, when it's really time-honored wisdom that still blesses all those who practice it, defend it, and and share those with those they love, and even with those who don't necessarily love it in return. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But additionally, I mean, lately we've been talking about even more, uh, an even more basic goal, right? We've been mm-hmm. talking about how Christians and other like minded, moral, biblical, worldview people have got to fight for the freedom just to be who we are. I mean, yeah. the politics is getting to the vitriolic stage, don't you think? Well, it is. And it's going to, you're going to see it in some of the legislation that's going to start rolling out here in the next month or so. Um, I mean, who would have thought if you believe that marriage should be between one man and one woman for life, you for could life. be. Arrested yeah. for How hate speech. How dare you say it should be for life? Punished, you yeah. know, driven out of your workplace. Who would have thought that the teaching that you shouldn't have sex before marriage or that you should commit to each other before the intimacy of sex, that too would be considered intolerant and to be banned? And who would have thought and that? Judgy. Te- well, and who would have thought <laughs> that just the basic teaching that God created as male and female, distinct but co-equal, to be differentiated, honored, and cherished, yes. that too would not be allowed. Shameful for you to say that. By law. So mm-hmm. so stop the demonization. That's what we're saying. Stop litigating our differences of conscience. That's right. Those who hold a Christian traditional biblical view of life, in my opinion, are the people who, even if we disagree with other people, mm-hmm. allow them the space in the conversation and the freedom to disagree. See, that's what I'm saying. We're even, not ugly like that. <laughs> even the Judeo-Christian worldview that really undergirds our culture Culture, that's one of the reasons why we are a tolerant culture. It mm-hmm. is. And I can de- you can demonstrate that philosophically. But incredibly, you know, I just think what's amazing is to find out that we're the live and let live people now. Mm-hmm. If you are a person who believes in traditional morality and all these things, they try to make you out to be a prude, but we're actually the live and let live people. We're the right. ones who say what's right and wrong, but right. we don't try to force you to believe it or not to believe it. We're going to try to persuade you, not dictate or legislate you into submission. Right. Dare I say that we're the nice, kind, understanding <laughs> ones when all is said and done, because that's just a foundation of what we think life's all about. Mm-hmm. 
But I want to share for just a minute here uh, that I received a message this morning uh, from Reverend Thomas Hendrick, and he wanted to share this with me, and I want to pass it on as a you know, word of encouragement to our listeners, Okay. especially if you as a listener are feeling alone and without space in this world right now. Okay. He uh, quoted James uh, 1, uh, verse 12, Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Now, the reason he shared this with me is because apparently back in on October 31st of 2016, you, my husband, when you were serving as oh. the, the speaker of the Lutheran Hour, you wrote uh, a devotion and you wrote this. Our Heavenly mm-hmm. Father doesn't just put us in the game of life to lose. He has made it possible for us to win. He sent his son to cut down the weeds of sin, difficulties, and life struggles. Jesus Christ stands in the midst of the weeds with us. He entered the game of life so that we can clearly see home plate, our heavenly home. In our baptism, we were put on his team, and his victory became our victory. His trophy, the crown of life, becomes our trophy. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the weeds on the field of life do not or no longer keep us from seeing home plate. We have a clear view of the victory that is ours because we are a member of his team. So I want all of us, everyone that is hearing this, to focus on the fact that you and I are part of a team, a very special team. So do not let these weeds distract you from your mission, your purpose, and his certainty for you. There are more of us than you realize. Yeah, there are. There are. Plus, we have the company of angels and heavenly hosts. And in that certainty, here are some things that you and I can do that we can be and do. We can be the kind of people that make the caricature untrue and make the demonization unkind. We all know people who first were maligned only to discover the shame of being wrong. Let's be the people who are vindicated in the end. Well, you know, you brought that back to me. I, I, you know, it's <laughs> I took funny. your own breath away. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, sometimes these are simple words that we're saying. I know that. But when you're talking about the Jesus who gives you those words to say, it, it does take your breath away because you are yeah. secure in his hands in the middle of all this. And That's the Holy Spirit that works in us. You know, yeah. And uh, thank you, Pastor, just... for sharing that because you actually blessed both our days today. And uh, what, a, what a great surprise. I needed that. So, again, you know, it, like uh, Marie just said, we can be the kind of people that make the caricature untrue and demonization unkind. That doesn't put us always in a position of strength and power, though. It doesn't at, feel like it yeah, always. Yeah, our strength is not always in our circumstance. But I That's say right. today, too, we also got to realize that we can't let the culture merely dump its venom on us mm-hmm. as an easy target. So we we have dignity even in our humility, like you were just saying. We have mm-hmm. strength there. Mm-hmm. But we have kindness even as we seek our virtue. We've got a right and a responsibility to voice his voice in our culture, too. And we do need to protect that voice when it's falsely maligned. So there is politics to pushing back, but that's not a bad kind of politics. We can't let people like Jack Phillips, the little sisters of the poor who we haven't even talked about today, or my friend Rabbi Mencken, keep being demonized and railroaded. That has to stop. And I think people of goodwill on both sides of the aisle need to stand for this. Yeah, there are people of goodwill on both sides. We need to remember that. And we can also determine, I think, not to return the malicious demonization in kind. Right. I mean, and that's the tough part. I I can tell you personally that sometimes (laughs) I want to go there because it's easier to deal with that than the fear, right? You can have this anger and it's easier to manage anger. And it's so much easier to return abuse for abuse. I mean, psychologically, we know that. So we can draw the line politically with firmness without resorting to the name calling that seems to work so very well in politics today. 
So again, just to keep it as simple as we can say it today, demonization, character assassination, this has to stop. I and agree. we got to be a part of that stoppage. That's right. You know, that kind of sounded funny. Maybe you could stoppage? say something. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> we need to halt this behavior. We need to be a part of the good change, maybe. <laughs> yeah, okay. How about that? A good, a part of the good change, it just has to <laughs> yeah, stop. Yeah, that other one just didn't sound good. So, so uh, remember, little embers, there are two kinds of fire in the world. The one that burns and consumes. And the one that burns and empowers. May God's word and God's love burn brightly in you, giving you strength to face any fire. Till next time, little embers, I'm Marie. And I'm Greg. See See you you soon. soon. Through the Fire is a production of Family Vision Media. Familyvisionmedia.org